return to the word. Glory to God this morning. Obviously, it's probably in light of everything that's kicking off today. It'll probably bring a little reflection to that. So I'm just going to turn to John 7. And um, we'll read that up, John 7. And just read a couple of verses there this morning. Breaking in at verse 37. And it says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. But he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, Truly, this is a prophet. Others said, This is the Messiah, the Christ. But some said, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ must come from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem, where David was? So there was division amongst the people because of him. And now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid their hands upon them. Hallelujah. And we'll break in there. It's, you know, that last day is Sh- Shimzat Torah, if I'm pronouncing that properly, which was the eighth day. It comes at the end of that festival. It's that great day where it was a time of great rejoicing. It should have been a time of great rejoicing in Israel, um, where, they, where they come out and they celebrate the Torah, they sing and they dance, and it's, it's, it's a great day of great joy. It's also where the water libation ceremony would have taken place, going back into their history. Water from the pool of Siloam uh, was carried to the temple and was poured out before the Lord as they asked him to send the rain, which was symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And so generally they went down into that where Hezekiah's tunnel was, the water that was brought in. And some of us were blessed to actually walk through Hezekiah's tunnel. And actually we stood in the pool of Siloam. In fact, Michael, we prayed for Michael standing in the pool of Siloam. That was a special place. I just want to remind you that, Michael, that the healing power of God will be your portion. So from there, that would have, that fest, that would have taken place in that particular day. And it was a blessing to have been there, as the guys have said. But again, what should have been the most beautiful last day of the Feast of Tabernacles turned out to be one of the worst days, some say, since the Nazi Holocaust years. That's the day that all hell broke loose. Um, we were scattered in different places. Some of us happened to be in the Peace Forest when sirens started going off and bombs were being fired and military helicopters were flying overhead and the place was flung into a place of chaos. The whole nation uh, it was turned upside down. This is probably a day that's going to go down in history, probably as 9-11 went down in history, not maybe quite as powerful as that, but for that nation, I believe, it will go down in history, that that day all hell broke loose, and we happened to be there on that particular day. You know, it's, we really need to do is to really hold it up before the Lord, because I believe that this is going to have terrible effects across the world. The ramifications of this terrible terrorist atrocity, and you have to realize it is a terrorist atrocity, not only will have a massive impact on Israel and Gaza, but it will reverberate around the world. For after this initial support for Israel, we've seen it in our papers and people have gathered alongside them and stood up beside them and, and, and are justifying the actions of Israel at this moment in time. Some of us were in Glasgow. There was a candle virgil taking place at Buchanan Street Galleries. Thank God I was there with some of the people that even in this church run. It was organized by a Jewish group of people, Friends of Israel. But there was a lot of Jewish people there. And some of us also stood there, just silent support for the nation at this moment in time and everything that they're going through. 
So as we see, a lot of the papers were very um, you know, supportive of that. But I want to tell you this. There will be a backlash, and it's already started to this hostility, and, um, and anti-Semitism will raise its ugly head. They will make their voice heard. We've already seen it. We've seen it across even the streets of Glasgow. We've seen it in London. We've seen it in Ireland. We've seen it in Australia, where you've had groups of, you know, shall we say, Palestinian supporters, some of, shall we say, Islamic background. Yes, but yes, many of them being native to their own shores, as we've seen in Ireland, as we've seen in London, and as we've probably seen here in Glasgow as well. Shouting things in Australia, I couldn't believe it. Gas the Jews, gas the Jews, crowds in Sydney. You can YouTube it, you'll see it. And they're all standing there, nobody's saying a word. No intervention. We'll probably hear it in the streets here as well. You know, they should drive them from the nation, drive them out. And there's now this anti-Semitic spirit. It is a spirit, brethren. And it's going to raise its head more and more and more and more. And the world now is turning against them. Yes, there's supporters for them. But when this war is going to kick in, there is going to be a terrible lot of damage and a terrible lot of life. There's going to be a massive loss of life because a mass fight a war behind their people. And everybody says, well, they should have given them more time to get out. The question I would ask you, if people from Ireland come over here and kill a thousand of our people, murdered men, women and children in cold blood, cold blood, and then they jump back to Ireland with a few hostages, would you expect our government just to sit back and say, okay, let's show restraint? Would we? Would we, would we recommend that and say, okay, well, look, let's just sit back here and not do nothing? Especially if it was your son or daughter that was murdered in cold blood. Many of us get family. And this is what you're dealing with. And obviously, there's going to be carnage. I want to tell you that there's going to be carnage. And probably it's going to turn the world's opinion. As I says, the ramifications of this now is going to be awesome. Their voices will be heard all over our nation as well. Already Islam is screaming hatred around all of these major cities that I've already spoken about. Remember my talk on the significance of Israel, and you can catch that. It will still be up there um, for you to visit, revisit that. I spoke about the spirit, beware of Islam. Can I tell you right now, beware of Islam. They've infiltrated our country. They've infiltrated our country. They do not share our moral code or our moral values. Yes, they come in just now and it's all peace, peace, peace. But I want to tell you this, once they take control, and you've seen that in Afghanistan, you women, I want to tell you this, you're in for a big shock if they ever gain control of our nation. They will rule us with an iron fist and you will be brought into subjection. And you just see, Islam has never given up their desire to take control of this world for Allah. They're, they're, they're totally committed to it. You say, that's just a bunch of radicals. That's just a bunch of radicals. You look at any nation predominantly as Islamic, it always seems to be the radicals that's in charge and, and the bulk of the people are under their control. Name one, we can see this is taking place. Things is turning and things is changing. People believe that this is a, a moment in history something has changed. I tend to believe that. And we've seen great things in the past. We've seen invasions of Gaza before. We've seen something happening. Can I tell you just now, something has happened. Something has happened. And this is only the beginning. But something has changed in the realm of the spirit. I believe that something has kicked in here that we're not yet, we'll yet to have to actually see the aftermath and all that is taking place. I want to tell each and every single one of us, beware of Islam. Islam is no friend. You know, there's a talk, there's a, there's a saying in Islam, first the Saturday people and then the Sunday people. Christians have been murdered all over the world by Islam. Fanatics. Being murdered. Nothing is said about it in our news. Slaughtered. Slaughtered all over the world. Islam is slaughtering Christians. But nothing has been said about it. But yet we want to 
put up with that. Do you know what I would have did when they're starting marching through? I can't even believe that they're allowed to march through with that hatred. And they say, well, it's all against Israel. We say, well, we're not Israelites, so let them carry on. It's a little bit like you need to read the, the, the Dietrich Bonhoeffer when he stood up against the Nazis. And Martin Niemöller, first they came for the Jews, but I wasn't a Jew. They came for the Gypsies, I wasn't a Gypsy. They came for the communists, I wasn't a Gypsy. Then they came for me. And there was nobody to protest. You know why? Because nobody had protested all the other ones. That's how it begins. And they target these groups. Something is taking place today, guys. It wasn't the word I was planning to speak today, but I, have to, I can't ignore the news. I can't ignore the world events. And I want to tell you, things has changed today drastically. Obviously, this has created a flood of prophetic interpretations coming from all the quarters of the Christian world. And you'll Google them, you'll see them all over the place. Is this the Ezekiel War, Gog, Magog? Is this the start of the last seven years? Is this the, the beginning of the end of the end? And it's awash with stuff and people are all trying to interpret the signs and what's happened in the event of these things. And I'm sure John is very much more up to speed than most of us. He's wrote a book on the last days. But everybody's got their own particular opinion. And that will be a wash all over YouTube and all over the usual places. And everybody feels they have to give an interpretation. Now it's very difficult to actually sometimes interpret the scripture. And you say, well, that's a, I want to tell you this right now, it is. Do you know why? Because people will use this word and you're going to have about 10 different, 30 different, 50 different opinions, am, am I correct? And how that this word, and somebody say, well, the word is saying that, and I can say, well, the word is saying this, and we could, we could argue point blank to blue in the face. There's many different views on how do you see it. And again, that would be exegesis and eisegesis. Exegesis, we have to say, Lord, what are you saying by your spirit from this word? Eisegesis was when I say, well, I think it says this by my spirit. Because if it's not the Holy Spirit, then it's my spirit. And we need to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying today. Listen to me, guys, very carefully. We need to be open ears and we need to hear and we need to get before God and we need to ask God, Father, what is taking place here today? Hallelujah. What is going on today? Is this, is this the beginning of the end? Is this, are we moving into a final period of time? I say yes, I believe that. I believe we are moving into a final period of time. For you who are living your life worldly, worldly, I would say, get your act together now, my friend. Don't wait for the trumpet blast because it's going to be too late then. Amen. This is a time for putting your life in order. Glory to God. And see if I'm wrong. Hey, you've done yourself a favor anyway. Hallelujah. <laughs> because you should be getting your life in order as soon as you get saved. Don't wait to the end of the road. Get ready at the right beginning of the road. And you'll feel you'll be in a much better position to say, come, Lord Jesus, I'm ready and I'm waiting for you. I'm not going to wait to near the end and say, how close can we get to the end? It reminds me once that um, I think it was Art Katz says when he was a school teacher and um, his students were all coming and, uh, and, and one of them come up to him and says, hey, look, how much, must, how much can I get away with doing just to get my marks? Can, what he was saying, I want to do as little as possible. So how much do I need to really do to get that mark rather than saying I'm going to work really hard? But it was just like, I just want to get my foot in the door. I want to tell you this, guys, that's certainly not the attitude in the kingdom of God. Just to, I just want to get in there, but I want to enjoy the world as well. Do you know, the Bible says you can't love God and love the world. Do you know what that is? Well, let's you define the world and I'll define the world. What does that mean, to love the world? The Bible's very clear, 1 John 2, 15. You can't love God and you can't love the world. That's what my word says. It's my word says. You can't have both. You can't have a, boot, a, a foot in both camps. Because there's going to be a war going on. There's a tug of war for you, my friend. And you will be divided. Oh, I'll do the church on a Sunday. And I'll do the, I'll do the disco on a Saturday. 
I'll do, the, I'll do the world through the week, but I'll come, but I'll behave myself on a Sunday because God will be happy with that. My friend, you're deceiving yourself completely. You have to be changed completely. So what we're seeing is all this arguments, all this, everybody's trying to define, define what's happening, what's going on, and everybody's got their own ways of looking at it. There's two words, deism and theism, which I'm going to throw out to you and I'll explain. Deism is a belief in the creator, a great creator who does not intervene in the universe, but he doesn't tamper with the earth. He just created it. Somebody wounds up the clock, let it go on, let it tick away, and then he's going to come in at the very end. So he's got no responsibility. Everything just works as, as it was created to put in place. Theism is a belief that there is, he is a creator God, but he intervenes and his fingerprints are all through the universe and through this earth. I'm 100% behind that. Anybody can read this Bible and say that God is, does not act and, and, and intervene in human history, then my friends, you must be reading it with your eyes blind, completely shut. Because God's fingerprints is all over this book. All over history, God is constantly intervening, blessing and cursing. Amen? Judging, disciplining. He's all the way through the Holy Scriptures. He's all over this earth. Fingerprints are all over it. Glory to God. Thank God he hasn't destroyed us. Amen. As he did at the beginning of the flood. Now, I'm going to be saying a couple other things. I don't know how that's going to go down with you. But I'm going to say them anyway. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's turn to 1 Kings. And we'll go 1 Kings 8. And we're going to read from verse 46. The great prayer of King Solomon, when the temple of God was established, they brought the ark into the temple, it was a prayer of dedication. And he covers a lot of issues here, but I'll break into these ones. When they sin against you, he's talking about the people of Israel, for there is no one who does not sin. And that includes us, brethren. Amen. And you become angry with them and you deliver them to their enemies and they take them captive to a land of the enemy far or near. Yet when they come to themselves in the land that they were carried captive and repent and make supplication to you in the land of those who took them captive saying, we have sinned and done wrong. We have committed wickedness. And when they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies who led them away captive and pray to you towards their land which you gave to their fathers, the city which you have chosen, the temple which you have built for your own name, then here in heaven, your dwelling place, their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. And forgive your people who have sinned against you and all the transgressions which they have transgressed against you. And grant them compassion before those who took them captive that they may have compassion on them. For they are your people and your inheritance whom you brought out of Egypt by out of the iron furnace. That your eyes may be open to the supplication of your servant and the supplication of your people Israel to listen to them whenever they call out to you. For, they, for you separated them from among all the peoples of the earth to be your inheritance as you spoke by your servant Moses when you brought out our fathers out of Egypt, O Lord our God. And again, you can listen to the tapes if you want to know my own personal opinion about Israel that they are God's people, even to this day, and they're still there in the land for a future visitation. And I did say that was my own personal opinion. I could just share many scriptures to back that up. But we'll leave it at that just now. Now, we could say here very clearly that when all this hell is broken loose, that God will rise up and defend Israel. God would rise up and come to their aid. What we have to look at is the other side of the coin, and I want to bring that before you just now. 
We know there was a rave going on not far from Gaza at that particular time. Can I tell you just now, that was not a godly rave. That was not a godly rave. That was probably drug-fueled, acid, magic mushrooms. The only reason I say that is because me and Linda were walking across the hills yesterday to go for my time of prayer, and I seen a couple of lads in the field, and I knew exactly what they were looking for, magic mushrooms. But I had a bit of fun with them. Excuse me, lads, um, have you lost your wallet or your, your something? Can, can, I, can I help? Um, uh, no, 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 it's okay. I says, we're just foraging. I says, I know exactly what you're foraging for, my friends. But anyway, that was a rave. And the most holiest day in, in, in the Feast of Tabernacles, when God's called the whole nation unto himself to be a, waste, a place of worshiping them, 40-something percent of that nation does not honor God. They're secular totally living in defiance, even though they're called by the name Israel. The boys, Michael and Alan's there as well. They went to stay in a hostel um, in, in Tel Aviv, awash with LBGT, all over the place. Correct, lads? You were in there. Awash, all over the place. Awash with it. Tel Aviv is known as the gay capital of the Middle East. It's a very ungodly place. Albeit, I'm sure there's good people there as well. We could probably look at our own cities. So we can see all of this stuff is going on in Israel as well. Do you think God is upset with his people Israel? I can tell you right now, yes, he is very upset with the people of Israel. For they were called the chosen people. They were to be a light unto the world. They were to be the shining example. And we know they have failed miserably. And they're living in terrible, terrible rebellion and defiance of the living God. Now, if it's deism where God just stands back and says, well, look, let them go on with it. I'm just going to come and deal with them. Or is it theism and God looks and says, I've had enough of this. This is, this is, this is a disgraceful nation that are sinning and not giving God one iota. Some say there was a big Buddha in that desert that they were there. Whether that's true or not, not so true, I don't know. I can tell you one thing. They weren't worshiping the God. And honoring God in the desert. They were having a festival like we do here. Like many other places. All I'm saying is to this what Solomon's prayer is. But what actually happened in one sense and another. Some people say that the government of Israel let their people down. I put something on that Sunday night. And people are talking back to me from Israel. Let them down. Because there was a gap. There was a space that wasn't being guarded. Some people say this. Some people say the next thing. What we need is to hear actually, well, you know, it's so quick to say this or that, but what is God saying? What, 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 what was, was this a judgment of God against ungodliness of his people? Was it? Yes, God uses his enemies. Well, all over the Bible, God uses his enemies. I'm bringing the Babylonians. I'm bringing the Azarians. I'm going to bring in people because I will not allow you to carry on like this. I will judge you, even though you think you're getting away with it. That's a, that's a message, another message for the church as well. Hallelujah. You don't get away with nothing, friends. There will be a visitation somewhere down the road. Hallelujah. So we're seeing these things. And I can ask myself the questions when I look to see what's taking place. Do we see the hand of God of judgment in this? Yes, and he used his enemies as a means. Is that true or is it not so true? I'm not saying it is. I'm just looking at the other side of the coin. Because I like to look a bigger picture, not just get honed into one, and we just need to say, oh, that's such and such. Where was God? And if you ever went to Yad Vashim Holocaust Museum, you'll have a lot of rabbis that situation say, where was God during the Holocaust? What happened? 
What went wrong? Why has God deserted us? Why has God allowed all this to happen to us? And in many sense, what we're seeing here is the nation now is addressing this to say, what happened? What happened? And yes, as Christians, we can say, well, we can all jump up and say, I'm asking you to ask the question and start thinking out the box, guys. Don't get caught up in the news and the headlines. What is God saying in all of this? For God is sovereign. Yes? Nothing happens unless God says it will happen. Amen? That doesn't mean to say one thing or another. I'm just saying, guys, let us get in tune with the word. What does the word say? When you sin, when you rebel against me, as Solomon's prayer says, we can see something in here. Glory to God that is taking place. Glory to God. God's judgments is all over the scriptures. All over the scriptures. Do you know what we, you know what we need today? And I'm, going to, I'm actually going to preach on it one time as well. Is the fear of God missing? It's missing. It is missing dreadfully in Israel. I'm not speaking for all of Israel, but I want to tell you this, the secular side of it, it's missing. Do you know in the church, it is missing. Missing. There's no fear of God. Do what you like, when you like, if you like, don't worry about it. Everything's cool and calm and collected. I want to tell you this, we need to get in touch with the living God. Amen. As Israel do. We see his judgments all over the place. We can probably quote some other scriptures here. I could quote scriptures at Luke 23, and we'll jump up there when Jesus was paraded and we walked those streets in Jerusalem, when Jesus carried his cross. And in Luke, we just read this verse when he turned to the women. Remember, they're weeping, they're crying, there was much weeping, there was much wailing. And Jesus turns to them in Luke 23, we'll break in at 28. Jesus turned to them and says, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed, the days are coming in which you will say, Blessed are the barren wombs that never bore and breasts that never nursed. Then you will say to the mountains, Fall on us and the hills, cover us. For if you do these things when the tree is green, what will you do when it, when it is dry? Now, Jesus obviously was looking down the tunnel of time when Rome, when Jerusalem, just 40 years less, Titus marched in and the destruction of Jerusalem was unbelievable. Unbelievable. It was the, the death tolls, the suffering, uh, it, was, it was horrific, horrific. And Jesus seen, foreseen this taking place, it was going to happen, and therefore he gives warning to them that this event was going to, there was a day coming. And there's been many days, I might add, since. Can I also say to other people in here, Jesus is not a pacifist. Jesus is not a pacifist. He's not a pacifist. It's not like, like well, we, we, can't, we can't handle the old, so we'll, we'll just major on the new. As if Jesus came now and says, okay, there's a, there's a new order now. I'm going to deal with you differently, like what we see in the Old Testament. Jesus is not a pacifist. I want to tell you that right now, friends. In fact, because Yavde says, look, he says, this is going to happen to you. He foreseen what was going to take place. Now, that means then, okay, he wasn't going to do it, but, if he, but he, was, he, he, was he allowing it? Yes, he was going to allow it. Hallelujah. He was going to. I love it. Just as the Holocaust was allowed. Don't look at me strangely. Listen, if the God never allowed the Holocaust, that means Satan's more powerful than God. That means that God's hands was tied and God could do nothing about the Holocaust. Oh no, the devil's got one up in me. I can't do nothing against it. He allowed it. Amen. He allowed it. For he is sovereign. Satan can do nothing outside of God's permission. The book of Job, he says, I can't touch Job because you put a hedge round about him. Take that hedge away and give me access. And God says, okay, I'll give you access. He had to ask God to get behind the hedge. 
Amen, a protection. The New Testament, just in case you want to throw the new at me. Jesus says, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But don't worry, I prayed for it, that you'll be okay at the end. Meaning he had to ask the permission to attack Peter. Satan has asked for permission to sift this man. And he gave permission, knowing that he was going to make sure because Peter was going to actually be victorious in the end, okay? Glory to God. I can say many scriptures to you, and I want to say these ones as well, and I want to just justify the fact that I just said there, Jesus is not a pacifist. God is not a pacifist. Amen? He, he is a God who judges, even to the very end of these days. God is still judging. Do you know what's, you know what's happening just now is? Global warming. Global warming. Nothing, see all the problems in the earth? Nothing to do with God. It's global warming. It's, it's, you know, it's like... It's, it's the, you know, it's, we're, we're causing all these problems in the earth. We're causing all these turmoils, earthquakes. It's our fault. We're not managing the earth as we should be. There's too much stuff, pollution going up there. It's messing about with the ecology. Therefore, all these disasters are now happening. The Bible says God uses three things. Famine, sword, and pestilence. Amen. And God is moving, but people don't recognize God moving. In times in the past, when things like this happen, people would get a wee shake with themselves and start to repent. Oh, I better, I better get right with God when disasters hit home. But now we just say it's nothing to do with God. It's because of global warming and the earth is heating up and this is happening and that is happening. Let us go to the book of Revelation here. And this is the, this is the, the, the Lord when he returns on his white horse. Verse 11, 19. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat in it was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and he makes war. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. When he comes back, he's going to judge and he's going to make war with the nations and with all those who have despised him and hate him, he's going to make war and he's going to be victorious. I might add also, glory to God. His eyes were like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one except him himself knew. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And the armies of heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword and with it he should strike down the nations. He himself will rule over them with a rod of iron and he himself will tread the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the almighty God. And on his robe and on his side was written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That is the day that we should be looking forward to. Come, Lord Jesus. He's not coming in riding in a donkey. He's coming in as a mighty warrior, as a mighty king. And he's coming to conquer and he's coming to take control of this world. And all on the side of wickedness will be dealt with and be read for them. And the kingdom of God is going to be given to all those who are living righteous lives, who have acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Praise the Lord. Guys, I just want to finish and say this just now, and this is what I really do believe is taking place. This is a wake-up call. See this event that's happened? This is a wake-up call for Israel. Can I also say it should be a wake-up call for the church? And it's also a wake-up call for the whole world, but I don't think they're going to recognize that. It is one for Israel. Israel has been woken up. 
This event has galvanized Israel now and they are totally one. They were polarized before this. They were fighting against each other. Secular, religious, they were all awash. It was all things and they were tearing themselves apart as a nation. They were tearing themselves apart. Fighting against each other. Cultural battles and wars and all of this stuff. See this event, it's pulled them totally together. I spoke to them, I've seen it. I was in the midst of it. I've seen what happened. I'm corresponding with some of them. It says there's no more division in Israel. It's totally and utterly united them. United them. Like never before, this event has been a massive wake-up call because they were trusting in themselves. They're, you know, they're a sophisticated nation. They're meant to be one of the most powerful armies in the world. And I'm thinking, that's a bit of a stretch, but that's what they say. They've been mobilized. They've came together now. And they are now together as a people. And every one of them are singly-minded now, and how they are now, they say, we need to de deal with Hamas. No longer can we tolerate this, but it's unified them. It's their wake-up call. It was a very, it was a very, very, very powerful wake-up call than what they have suffered. And you've seen some of the videos. I want to tell you this. Those people are utterly smashed and broken. I put something up in the notes board. I thought it was worthy to put up in the notes board. And it was um, Malcolm McPherson that sent it to me. And, um, and, and, you know, you listen to the speech if you want to himself. Very balanced. He's standing in Germany and he's standing beside one of the tracks that took the trains to the Holocaust. And he says, we used to be like the lambs to the slaughter. No more. No more. We will defend ourselves. We will stand up and we will defend ourselves. I see something in, in a much bigger picture here. I can see the whole world is going to eventually turn against Israel. Does the Bible say that in the last days? The world is going to turn against Israel. See this war? It's a no-win situation. It really is. They can get and destroy Hamas, but there's going to be an awful lot of loss of life. And I want to tell you this, the world is going to end up, and you can see it already on our streets. You can already see that spirit of anti-Semitism that I said a couple of weeks ago when I spoke about Israel. It's raising its ugly head. It's raising its ugly head. These Jews, you know. Do you know the day is going to come when they're going to say, see these Christians? See, these Christians, they're the ones that have problems, you know, always saying all this perversity and all the rest of it. They're the ones that are spoiling and stealing this piece of this world that the prince, the so-called of darkness, is going to come with a false piece. I can see the writings on the wall. I can see everything's beginning to move up a notch just now. So it is a wake-up call. A wake-up call today like never before. Brethren, let me just finish with this scripture because I want to try and say to you, don't wait for a wake-up call to come to your door. This is a wake-up call for us. What has happened in Israel, but can I say to you, this is, should be a wake-up call to us as a church. I believe we are now moving into a period of time. Now, we'll, time will tell. We'll see what's going to happen regarding Gaza. This could bring in Lebanon. They're already very concerned that this could bring them in. Gaza didn't operate in its own self just now that looks like it's been a more planned, coordinated event that could bring in Lebanon. We've got Russia sitting up there on the Golan, along with Iran and along with their enemies. They're all sitting there. That could kick that off as well. America has got its bombers out there, fleets sitting out there just now, obviously backing Israel. Britain has sent out two ships into the, into the mix as well. And, and praise God. Can you see already that already that there's, there's a lot of nations are getting maybe drawn into this, this turmoil? And it's only start, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not prophesying anything here. I'm just saying, though, this is a wake-up call. And you better, I'll tell you this, you better wake up, some of you. Some of you better wake up, realize 
the events that are taking place today. This world is coming to an end. Listen, the Bible says the world is coming to an end. It's coming to an end. Everything that you think you're, you're up to, you're watching, you're caught up in it, it's time is running out. It's eternity you should be thinking of. Eternity. It's your eternal home. It's your eternal salvation. And what you do, do down here on earth, my friends, is going to depend on what you're going to be in eternity. Therefore, I want to say it's a wake-up call. Now, let me just finish with this scripture. It's serious times we're living in, guys. Therefore, there's a wee bit of a seriousness coming through my tone this morning. I hope there is. Because it's not a light, it's not a light matter. It's not a light matter what's taking place in Israel. And I very much support Israel, and I pray for Israel, and, um, and I send my prayers to them. I'm also praying for the Palestinian innocent people who are trapped in a terrible situation. Innocent people, innocent people, men, women, and children. I pray for them as well at this moment in time, and I will continue. Now, let me finish with these scriptures here. Glory to God. Amen. And there is, I'll break in it, Matthew 26, reading from verse 36. And it's Jesus' prayer in the garden. Guys, remember, Garden of Gethsemane? And we, we, some of us were there a couple of times. We broke bread there, didn't we, guys? We spent some time in prayer. It was wonderful. Um, now, Jesus came to the place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further and he fell on his face, his face on the dirt, and he prayed saying, Oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to his disciples and he found them sleeping and he said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. For the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And I wanted to finish with that verse because, again, it's what I felt to title the sermon. It's time for us. It's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. Now, either you're going to hear that when some of the guys, the team, my team, when we ended up, we ended up at Ibis uh, Hotel in London Luton. And, um, and we booked in there late, so we had to get up very early to catch our flight to Israel. And I says, can we have a wake-up call? And we went, sir, we don't do wake-up calls. <laughs> Wake yourself up. That's stuck, that's, stuck in, that's stuck between my ears, you know. We don't do wake-up calls. Wake yourself up. Set your own alarm. You are responsible. And this is what I'm bringing to us today, guys. Because I'll tell you this. Um, I mean, my wife is here with me, so I'm not going to lie. But I wouldn't lie even if she wasn't there because she was with me up there and we're praying. When I say I pray for the church every day, I do pray for the church. And I pray this church first and foremost before I pray for the wider church. 
And I'm praying, Father, I pray that everybody is going to wake up in our church, Lord. And my prayer is that those, I, I want to see everybody rising up, making their full potential. I want to see everybody rising up into the place where God wants you to be. That's my heart's cry. I pray for this. And see if God raises you up away beyond me, I'll be rejoicing, going, well, hey, that guy used to sit in my church. And I'll rejoice. Let any good parent, you know, when your kid sells themselves and do far better than you, you know what that's like? How is a parent be like that? Fantastic. My boy now is this. My boy's doing great. Do you know, that's the heart of a pastor. Anybody else that doesn't want to keep everybody down there because I'm the man. Hey, that guy's going to be a bit too hot here. Shift him into the sidelines. Because I don't want anybody stealing a bit of my glory. There's a lot of that in the church today. You'll not get that from me. I want to tell you this is that. I just pray. Isn't it? I, love the, I love the heart of Moses. Remember when Joshua comes and, and says, Moses, there's, there's, there's two other men, you know, praying and, you know, the Spirit of God's came upon them in the camp. Will I stop them? And Moses says, oh, for goodness sake. He says, I wish that the Lord would fill everybody with the Spirit. And that was prophetic. That was Moses. There was only selected ones, leaders. And Moses says, you jealous for my sake, Joshua? I wish that God would pour out his spirit in all the people. Prophetically speaking about a future event in the day of Pentecost when God actually fulfilled those words, he poured out his spirit upon all of us. Amen. Therefore, all of us have got the opportunity to rise up into a new place within God. Do not miss this opportunity. It's very clear. Jesus says, you're still sleeping. Do you know what I think? If Jesus came into this church or any church, hey, wake up, man. Are you still, are you still sleeping? Don't you realize the lateness of the hour? The hour is late. Open up your eyes and look. It's all over the TV screens, for goodness sake. Don't you realize the events that's actually taking place today? We're looking for the events. We're looking for what's taking place. Do you realize what's been taking place in the last few years? Oh, well, for goodness sake, Jesus has been, they've been talking about Jesus coming back forever. I'm, I hear people saying that in the church. I'll wait till near the time they'll get my act together. Listen, this is the day to get your act together, guys. Things is kicking off over there. I'm telling you, it's kicking off big time. And I'm telling you this, this is going to be a very difficult situation. Other people can get involved in the mix, one thing or another. Hallelujah. But you know the great thing about it is, I'm not going to get worried about the enemy. I'm not looking at, oh, what the Prince of Darkness is doing. No, I'm looking to see what the Messiah is going to be doing. I'm looking to see what Jesus is doing. Jesus is not on holiday. He neither sleeps nor slumbers. He is watching over his people. He's watching over this earth. His plans, his purposes are going to be fulfilled. Satan is a defeated foe. He has already been defeated at Calvary's cross. And God is working. And to the day he comes, and in the kingdom of God, the king of glory is coming back. Hallelujah. This earth is going to be cleansed of all wickedness. And there'll be the glory of God will cover the shores. Sure from sea to sea. Guys, do not hear what I'm saying this morning. Do you judge by yourself? Are you awake or are you asleep? You know, when I was over in Israel, I was blessed to meet this man and um, I think it was a divine encounter. I met him in Peace Forest. It was anything but peaceful. Stuart, camping. I was surrounded by Jewish families. Out there were on top of us. Guys know about that. Screaming wains, Everything. And I went, Peace Forest, I thought it was a big place and I was going to be camping a wee bit down here in this. No, I was surrounded by all these families. One night, one kid kicked off. Two hours, two hours. Midnight, about two in the morning. And it wasn't even, it was like, ah! I'm lying in the tent going, oh Lord. That was our last night. I thought with a peaceful night, remember some of the, the caravaners took off, but no. 
This guy gave me oil and he, and he, it was this camp. I won't get any long story, right? Now, Melanie and Jock, I've got a bigger container with this oil, right? But this came from a special place, as, as men, much oil does, right? And I thought, I need to get that oil back. And so my wee, I took my wee, my wee shower gels, Redox, you know, the kind of, I says, I'll put it in there so I can put that in my, my own personal case because mine was going on the plane. I don't want to get dumped, you know, to take it out and throw it away. Strangely enough, you know what this one says? It says, feel awake. <laughs> isn't that interesting, isn't it? Feel awake. Hence the reason I brought it here today. So I'm going to be using this as anointing oil, but it's like, feel awake. You know, you're going to need a shower and you get that stuff on, you know, it's all kidology, isn't it? Oh, there's something nice about a shower though, isn't it? You know, hot water, cold water. Are you awake? Sometimes you need a cold shower to wake yourself up, you know. I'm just saying to you guys, listen, this is time for us to be awake. Don't be asleep today. Events are happening now that I believe, and many people, I mean, you, I mean, you know, you'll hear them all saying this, that there is something happening just now, and everybody's got a feel for it and a sense for it. But things is turning, things is changing, been changing for some time. I believe this event is a very strategic event a far more strategic event than most of us will think what is taking place at this moment in time but I believe it's going to be a massive consequences as they roll out to us guys I wanted to I don't know about you but I always feel much more secure when I feel close to Jesus I'm going to leave that see guys see it's not because oh I've got money in the bank and I'm me and my wife are going on wonderful and my household's good and everything's I can tick all the boxes do you ever get like that you can feel secure I feel secure when I feel close to Jesus, when I'm doing time with him, when I'm spending that time in prayer, when I feel that I'm giving myself to the Lord and I've got that relationship. See, when you start living your life like that, you know what, you'll know what I'm talking about. You feel close to Jesus. You know why? For the Bible says, come, come near to me and I will come near to you. Therefore, when I rise early in the morning and I'm going into the presence of God, I says, God, you said if I come near to you, you will come near to me. And that means I live my life properly as well, guys. I'm not running about swinging for the trees. What I'm saying is this, guys. Can I encourage every single one of us just now? Something is changing. I do believe that we are moving now towards a final event, which the Bible has prophesied. There is only one winner. There is only one future. It's the Lord and it's heaven. Hallelujah. And it's the kingdom of God when we will be united to the Messiah, never, ever, 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 ever to be separated from him. And he is a glorious and a beautiful Lord and a beautiful God. Who wouldn't want to get close to him? But I want to tell you this, don't step in God's toes. Don't think you can live a frivolous life and that God just loves you anyway because he's a God of love. My friends, you made a big mistake. The Bible says, fear him. Jesus says, I tell you who you should fear. Don't fear the devil. Don't fear the power of darkness. He says, I tell you this, because all he can do is kill you. I like that, isn't it? I mean, the bottom line is all he can do is kill you. He says, I tell you this, fear him who after you have dead has got the power to throw you into an eternal hell. I tell you, Jesus said, I tell you, fear him. Treat God with reverence. Give him his place. And I want to tell you this, that peace of God that goes beyond all understanding, Jesus says, the peace of God, shalom, will come upon you. And and doesn't matter what's going on in this world, I can walk in the peace of God. Hallelujah. Amen. The Lord bless you all. And, um, and just be inspired, guys. Let's not freak out with events that's taking place. 
Let's use this as a wake-up call. Let's pull close to God and let us just say, come Lord Jesus, amen. Amen.